Greetings, Commanders, and welcome to episode, a special episode, a war episode of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. Uh, tonight I will be acting as your proxy host. I'm not even sure if that's the right word, but it'll do. Um, Psycho Cow, and um, joining me in the Orange Sidewinder, we have the head of Station Entertainments, Christopher Jarvis. Good evening to you. Hello, everybody. And welcome to the show. Oh, sorry, Gwaiti. I'll, I'll get to you in a second. Um, and also, oh, hello. <laughs> We're also joined by our resident. Now, have you been wondering, like me, who who this whoever that we constantly talk about being the expert in the background sims for the Live Radio Network? Uh, we've actually decided to bring him on. It's actually a person called whoever. I've always thought that Ben was just dismissive and saying, ah, someone will know it, or whoever will tell us. Whoever. Someone will tell us what to do. But actually, whoever is with us tonight, good evening to you, sir. Greetings, Commanders. So, a different show than usual. Um, obviously, a lot of the crew are still away on holly bags off various different places. Um, Chris, you, you're just back this week. You had a, a lovely time abroad in Wales. Was that right? Yeah, abroad in Wales. Yeah, I was really surprised when there was a, a thing that went up saying, there's nobody else in the UK. And I was thinking, well, I'm only in Anglesey. I mean, I know it's... I know it's a long way off, but <laughs> calling it outside the UK seemed a little bit harsh, I thought. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, actually, in fact, whoever, have you been off anywhere recently? Are you just back? Have you had any holidays? Or? Um, no, just working and working for Live Radio Network, trying to help push the influence. It's been a ridiculous I ride. <laughs> I know, we're such divas. We all go on holiday and just let everybody else do our... <laughs> Do our stuff. I think it's been about the last, uh, probably going on for two months now, something like that. That's all I've been doing in game is just just pushing life. And it's been working a treat. Cool. So, of course, it all brings us on to what we're going to be going through tonight, which is talking about what's happening in the Lave Radio Network, which is our, our player faction in-game uh, that you can find in the Lave system and only in the Lave system because we did exactly little with it since it was in, in, put into the game. Put into the game just at the point when Frontier agreed that it didn't make sense for player factions when created to be given an asset. They have to fight to learn how to do the background sim and how to get their own assets. So we came just after that rule came in, which meant we had nothing, but we've survived in Lave for a while, and we've teetered along the bottom. It is a massive system with a gigantic population, and all of these factor in the effects and the way that you can swing the background sim. So obviously, in a system with one population of one person, you can do massive swings <laughs> of influence. So, um, whoever, how many? How many people? Or what's the population of Lave? Uh, it's twenty-five billion uh, population in Lave. Twenty-five billion, which I believe is twenty times bigger than George Pantazzi's, which the Hutton Truckers took three months to crack. <laughs> I think it used to be quite a lot smaller, um, but FDev increased it for some reason. I think it was. Um, around when the engineer requirements went in for Lavian Brandy and um, for one of the engineers, and I think it was it was shifting the influence quite a bit. So they they massively increased the population, which made things a lot harder for us. Oh, for goodness sakes! 
So what I've got is uh, on my controls for some... Oh, I've just probably killed myself. No, thank goodness. That was the heatsink release. Um, I have a, an interesting issue with controls where my uh, USB hub um, sometimes loses the controls. And when I unplug them and plug them back in, it turns on silent running. Now, last week it nearly killed me. <laughs> And it just nearly killed me there, and I just thought I must hit the shield cell booster, which of course would have put temperature up as well, and I would have been exploding. So, <clears throat> where are we in the moment in Lave Radio Station is the fact that Lave Radio Network has drawn level with the workers of the uh, workers of Lave Liberals, Liberals who yes. own the Lave Station and are the controlling faction in the system. So we, when you draw your influence near this is the so I'll, I'll tell it from my point of view then whoever will correct it all um when you draw it to a level with another faction or minor faction in the system it can trigger a different state of reactions regarding uh, depending on what type of factions you are so you could have a civil war you could have a war or it could trigger an election and in our case it has triggered a pending civil war which is due to kick off on friday now, the last war we had was a war with the the owners of Warness. Now, that was a slightly different circumstance because we didn't realise the war had happened until it was too late. Within 5% of the other factions, that's what I'm getting messages through. Everyone's going to keep us right tonight so we can get you the, the best information out there. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> that is the, the, the trigger points. And obviously, if that faction's currently involved in a war elsewhere, then uh, the pending war may not happen. We had a wee issue where the workers of Lave Liberals were actually in a war. Um, but that was wonderful for us because that's what allowed us to gain on them. So do you want to um, whoever give us a little rundown on those what triggers a war and <coughs> what type of war you can get so that we can explain why we're in a civil war? Okay, well, like you said, it's the, the, conflict, will the conflict will trigger when the inf uh, influence equalizes. Um, and depending on what factions what faction um like we're a corporation for lave radio network um because the workers are um what are they democrats so because it's a different uh, faction type then it will be uh, either a war or a civil war um because we're both native to the lave system then it's a civil war if it was in a different system um, to the native, so if you've expanded to another system and then have a conflict with a different faction type, then it'll be a war. Um, so because we're both okay. native, it's a civil war. If we if we're the same faction, so if if we were also a Democrat, then it would be an election that would be happening rather than a war, a civil war, should I say? Excellent. And and is there a difference? Because I know that at elections it's slightly different rules because it's not combat. Um, but there, is there a difference between how you fight a civil war to a war, or is it pretty much the same? Basically, well, during the during the um, a civil war and a war, the, no, it's exactly the same. Basically, the only difference is um, the winning margin is three percent in a civil war. Uh, I believe it's five percent in a war. Okay. Um, but as as far as what you have to do to gain influence, it's exactly the same whether it's a civil war or a war. And that's what we're planning on 
doing in the run-up to the war before it kicks off is to try and get a good chunk of influence. Although I think the, the reality of it is we're trying to stay within striking distance of the workers of Lave Liberals. Um, although I think they're in a they're got a new state which is quite helpful for us. They're in civil unrest. Um, it, it doubles the, the influence gains from bounty hunting, but because there is no res sites in Lave, I don't think that will really be an issue. So yeah, we're both showing around about the 24%, so we're nice and even. Um, okay, well, see, before see, we start the show, we might as well let people know what they should be doing tonight. Because um, <laughs> we're all in game, I'm at the, the nav point, uh, I came in here earlier on, and uh, what should supporters of the Live Radio Network be doing tonight then, whoever? Um, pretty much the same as we've been doing to get into this situation is just running missions, that's all we can do really. Um, the best missions to do are the passenger transport missions um, which you, you can get by on just economy, economy cabins and just finding the missions just to one jump away um, they're all influence plus plus plus, which are the highest uh, influence game missions that you can do. Um, there's also the passenger, uh, sorry, not passenger, planetary scan missions. Uh, they're also uh, influence plus 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 ones. Um, so they're the best return for your time investment. Fantastic. And um, if we're looking to do some damage, because I know that we mentioned undermining the system authority and taking out the workers of Lave Liberal ships. But yeah, that is quite helpful. If you look on, if you're ever docked in Lave and look on the um, top five Lave bounties, I've nearly got one million bounty in Lave from killing workers over the last several weeks. Um, but yeah, that will also help to. Um, well, it's a neg it's a negative influence on on workers, so that will that will lower their influence or decrease any gains that they might be getting. So, definitely, definitely do that if you can in the run up to the war uh, in the pending phase. <laughs> that will also happen during the war when it's active. You could also murder workers, but then you've got a problem of not being able to dock at Lake Station or Wariness. Yeah. I've had a suggestion actually in TeamSpeak. Um, Antarius Fusion has suggested deliver May clones to Lave's population to reduce it. <laughs> I think that's a bit harsh. I'm not sure that May is necessarily synonymous with a murder fest. Although we'll have to see how Series 4 works out with regards to that. <laughs> um, May destruction. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, yeah. Um, I did. There was a question for me in the chat room which I haven't ignored. It's just we haven't got to that topic. Um, so we'll put a pin in it. And, and come back to it later. Thank you. Um, yeah, I can't stream. I was going to stream what I was doing in-game on my private channel, but once again, sadly, Elite Dangerous and OBS are falling out with each other, and um, Elite's just crashing every time I try and connect with OBS Open. So I've had to stop, which is a shame. Because oh, um, what I was actually trying to do... <laughs> What's that? I got myself in bother by taking out uh, workers of Lave Liberal ship, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm currently at seventy-five percent hull, <laughs> slowly working my way to escape. <laughs> oh no! Looks like I'm not going to be able to launch uh, Elite tonight, which is a shame. Um, so yeah, the so what things can you still stack stuff? So you can stack um, the passenger missions. 
is it do you get much stacking because one of the things people have always commented on with with trying to support Lave Radio Network um, is perhaps we we don't necessarily give out as many missions as some of the other factions is that a thing so because for example like I've never had a planetary data point mission stack I've never had more than one for in fact I'm normally lucky to, to, to get even one or two of anything let alone um you know, multiple ones for the same location. Do you still get them, or is that something they've really cracked down on? Um, you, c- you can still you can get more than three if you get the board if you get lucky on the board. Um, basically, if you've got two and refresh a board, then you can accept as many missions as uh, that that pop up. Um, but if you've got three or more, then it won't ever spawn any more missions until you complete them. Okay. So that's the the massacre missions because I mean the, the again you can stack tons of of the other missions and passenger missions which apparently are apparently you know I don't know if it's by definite by um, design but they're quite helpful during war as well passenger missions. Um, not ju- not during an active war. I don't think they'll have it. They shouldn't have any influence. It's just combat. It's just handing in bounties or combat bonds that will have any influence. Okay, game. so yeah, it's basically undermining to bring to keep them down and fighting the war yeah. and cashing in combat zone uh, bonds, which is going to be tricky again because yeah, all that without having that asset that we can do the other actions and support through different means is just not open to us anymore. Hmm. Combat zones. We need wings of people out there destroying workers of leave liberal ships continuously. That's the plan. Yeah, that's the plan. Now I know I have uh, had a wee chat with uh, DJ Truthsayer to see whether or not the Imperial Inquisition fancies taking in on some uh, feds um, and having some fun, and they seem to be quite keen on the idea. So we've certainly got some player groups that are willing to come and muck in, and of course the truckers are. Well, we're we're hitting in a war. I think it's tonight, uh, and then we're going to have some truckers coming over. And our commander Flossie was out there running some missions today for Lave Radio as well. So, lots of support in the community to help us take the station, which is good because we're going to need it. It should be good. Yeah, it should be good. I I think they will. I think they will gain quite a bit before the war starts. But we'll we'll see how much how much support there is in the pending phase. Yeah. I guess we'll find out We'll find out uh, in a few hours when the first tick comes in after the first day and see what the first result is. Now, the ticks used to be sort of, what, well, 1pm or something originally, I think, was a, a strange time, and then they started coming in at 6pm. What time is it? And, and, in fact, maybe for people who don't have a clue about the background, Sim, uh, explain what an actual tick is. Basically, every, every day, like you know, when you when you're doing missions and that the the influence doesn't budge, it stays where it is. That's because the system collects all the all the influence up ticks and down ticks for the whole day, and then at the end at the end of the day, then it will go through and it will sort out. Right, okay, there's this much up and this much down for this faction, and go through all the factions for each system. And it will figure out what the new influence levels are, and and then update. And that's been happening now around about half half past midnight, or well, between twelve and one o'clock in the morning, basically. Any time around that time. 
And that's when you find out whether the actions you took that day have had the desired effect or whether or not that's you've, right, yeah. you've messed yourselves up. Yeah. Fantastic. What are you planning on running then, uh, uh, Chris, yourself? Are you going to run some missions? and? Uh, sorry, you obviously didn't hear, Baba. I've just had to reboot. So um, I am about to... I'm probably going to run some missions. Um, I was trying to sort of jump between instances to try and pick up a few extra ones. Uh, but yeah, I'm essentially planning, I'm hoping that now I've rebooted, Elite is going to work because it was giving me an error when I tried to connect about loading, trying to load a file and failing. So I don't know what it was upset about. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I mean, one, but, of the, yeah. one of the first things, because obviously when uh, Live Radio Network was first in the game and had such a low percentage, there wasn't anyone allied with them either because there's two things that affect the amount of missions you get offered. One of them, of course, is your various different ranks. Uh, if you're elite, you might yeah. find yourself getting better missions. But your uh, influence, your sort of relationship with Live Radio Network is a key one. So if you're just... You're, you know, not done any missions for them. When you arrive, you're going to find it difficult at first. Although, thanks to the hard work of all of those commanders that have been running missions in the last couple of weeks, the influence is up at 24%, which means there's a lot of missions available for you at Live Station. So you should be able to stack up a good load uh, of various different guns. Have a look and see what I've got currently on offer to me. And it was it was, it was was difficult as well. And, and credit to um, Frontier, because there was a bug previously. It wasn't really a bug, but the way they previously designed it, as I understand it, was that the number of missions offered by each faction was related to their... Um, their influence in the system. So if you had a really low-influence faction, they offered very few missions. And actually, people were saying that actually then made it really hard to ally with minor factions and get influence up because you're hardly, you know, getting enough missions. If you combine that with the fact that people were below the requirements for the few missions that were coming up. Um, so I know that Frontier, I know one of the recent updates, they changed it so that all the factions kind of offer a decent amount of missions. I just made a mistake. <laughs> I never know watching the watching the streams just see me to pick up missions for the wrong faction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's fix that for a start. Don't want to be doing that. Nothing in. It's nothing in that instance. I was doing. Taron four two nine five is asking: Will this episode make it to a podcast? I think that that depends on that depends on how interesting we all are tonight. I think <laughs> I think the discussion of the background simulation is totally worth uh, us releasing as a podcast. I'm hoping that what we're not going to have like for the last hour of tonight is just us pew pewing stuff and not really having not really talking about anything. Um, well, but it is difficult because I mean the background sim is something that obviously we when we first had the update to PowerPlay, that's kind mm. of what. Well, I personally, that's what I was hoping for from PowerPlay, was that kind of nitty-gritty, what you do has an effect. Um, but PowerPlay, yeah. to me, became a bit more of a kind of, what would you call it, a postman pat simulator. Um, <laughs> well, it is. It's just constantly delivering propaganda yeah. for one system. And then everyone in the entire universe is allowed to just blow you the hell out. And every other ship interdicts you constantly. It just it takes your game from being getting stuff done to just constantly swearing at the interdiction. So I've not got back into power play for a long while. Um, but the background sim is 
absolutely captivating because um, the rule of thumb is dead simple. If you are, you know, if you've not got in touch with Frontier and requested your own faction put in game, that doesn't matter. Go and find one. Do a skip rat. Go and find a faction that you want or you feel a connection with and say, that's my faction. And then you can use the background simulation to get that faction <coughs> to take over the system. You can flip your system if you if you do the long game and play the background sim. You can crash a faction out like uh, the the serious workers. They, they've been hammered out of think every system they're in apart from one serious because they were taken down by the imperial inquisition for um, various things that were revealed in the book by Drew Baker the premonition so they decided that that was it serious corp must die and have you know taken on themselves so you can do anything in the game you can create your own little corner which is the brilliant part of ownership and the only one thing that i think is missing from the backgrounds um, is being able to pin that faction to your chest and i think that's that's the shame and, and you know maybe even having an affiliation list that you're allowed to have you know that you can pin multiple little factions so you're saying look you know i fly with these guys these are the ones i support because I think that's what's missing. You just don't get those wee labels on players, which is a shame. But you do for powers, so maybe it'll come. It would be nice to be able to pledge to uh, a minor faction like you can in power play to a superpower or uh, power play. I don't. Faction. I'm not even sure. I'm not even sure you should necessarily pledge manually. The, I was chatting to some of the frontier staff at um, Lavecon and saying, you know, why why not just say that when you're when you're in a system you're displayed like as effectively an ally of whichever local faction you have the greatest reputation with because part of the problem is you say well i pledge to a faction like lots of lots of hutton truckers are also members of other factions and, and and various other things um so what what my suggestion was well why don't you say well look within within the lave system i am allied to probably lave radio network more than any other faction within Alpha Centauri, I'm allied to the Hutton Orbital Truckers. Um, so why not display within that local system the the faction that I have the most reputation with? Because then that's not something that you can game. It's not like it's not like I say, well, I'm pledged to workers of Lave Liberals, but actually I'm doing work for somebody else. It's the more you work for somebody, that then becomes your de facto sort of pledged faction within within an individual. Um, within an individual system, and I think you know they said they, they kind of took that on board. I think the main issue they had with displaying local faction information is that I think the UI already has quite a lot of information on it <laughs> under under pilot information. You know, if you include sort of power play and all that stuff. Although for me, frankly, I'd um, I'd take the power play stuff out, but <laughs> <laughs> it's not my, it's not my game. And I know there's a, there's a whole load of people who just play power play, and that's all they care about. Um, so you couldn't you couldn't just remove it, but um, yeah. Well, yeah, I think I think if you've yeah. if you if you've grown with PowerPlay and um, yeah, there, there must be plenty there to keep you happy with it. I just yeah, I just to me just seemed to be the quickest way to to really get yourself shot. Um. Yeah, and it also seemed to me. I mean, I, I I'll admit I haven't played it for a long time, but when I played it. It seemed to be a way of doing missions where it cost you money to do those missions rather than actually earning you 
an individual increase. So it always felt to me like something that was an end game money sink for people who'd already achieved wealth and the biggest chips in the game and were looking for something else to do. Power play is something that you can pour your money effectively back into. Um, not, not that it costs a huge amount, but I mean, the sense is you are doing these missions and you are, you know, you are buying cargo and delivering it to various places, but you don't get any credit reward. So you are basically donating stuff to the power play factions out of the goodness of your heart kind of thing. Um, but as I say, I haven't played it for a while. Someone in chat is suggesting you get 50 million per week for paying power pay. I don't. That's the rank five. Yeah, it's a rank five reward. Okay. And it's not impossible to get up there. So, I mean, there are reasons. It's quite easy. It's quite easy. You can get that, you can get that in one night if you, if you hang okay. out in the right wing um, on the right night of the week. <laughs> the, with the undermining teams, that you can you can score score ten k merits, no problem. Because the other okay. thing about the power play was that you know you were meant to get the benefit of that particular faction's specialised equipment or their special weapon or their other perks. And um, it was the one thing I did like about power play was that you could. Um, use the powers affiliations whether or not they were good on the price of slaves to make a profit as a trader so you could see who you know <laughs> you could see somebody moving into a system in power play where they were in a conflict and you would think oh no no i hope they don't win because that's going to kill my trade slave in that system and sure enough <laughs> i was doing trade runs and then one day i went there and they wouldn't buy them and you're like going, what? What, what what why are these illegal i've been trading these for the last two days no no, some blooming hoity-toity up there's come in and said, nope, that's it, no more slaves, that's it, it's over. You're like, what? So that was quite a nice um, real-world effect, making it worthwhile taking note of what's going on in the systems. But uh, uh, I just, oh, I would just love to be getting into power play, but it just leaves me in bits. Yeah, I can't work out whether one of the issues with power plays because like they, they sort of introduced it and it wasn't that popular a feature, so they haven't developed. And I wonder if maybe what power play needs is is actually kind of more granularity, like more stuff to do. Um, I don't know. I mean, it kind of bothers me from a we haven't talked about this for a long time, but it bothers me from a fiction point of view because I mean, a few people have been sort of we've had the occasional comments here about you know why are we trying to take leave you know the system off the alliance or whatever and it's not for us it wasn't about you know taking leave away from the alliance or winning it for the federation or winning it for the, for the empire um, obviously leave radio network is an independent faction and what we wanted to see was an independent leave um, and, and we think that not only fiction wise is an independent leave like really good for the canon but i think also because leave is the system that obviously has a lot of meaning to the original 1984 elite players um, that was the first system that you, you ever saw in the game. So we've always kind of felt that, like, Lave is is everybody's system. It shouldn't be a federal system or an imperial system or an alliance system. The thing that bothers me about power play is that even if we manage to achieve an independent Lave, power play kind of sits on top of that in some really artificial way. It, um, actually, it, actually, it actually benefits Mahan if Lave Radio Network control Lave. Does because, it? because yeah, because we're a corporate corporation, um, that will help. I mean, they already have a reduced trigger in the control system. I think it's Leasty, um, 
that obviously Lave is an exploited system of their control system. Yeah. They already have a reduced trigger there, so it's not going to give them anything more than they don't already have. But it's another system that is counting towards their reduced trigger. So, you know, it, it does benefit them in a way. Uh, I did contact some of the Mahan uh, people when we started pushing Lave just to just to let them know what our intentions were in case they were trying to push another faction um, in the area. I didn't want us to be fighting against each other. Um, and they were all fine. They were all fine with it. They even offered to help us out. So it, it is weird, though, that you can take you can remove an alliance pledged faction from power, put an independent uh, faction in, in power in the system. And that actually helps the alliance. Of Mahan. <laughs> That's power play. Yeah. Uh, Smith Smith uh, SM121 is saying, I'm talking to us, you're taking Lave because you want to. No, no, I, I don't think, I don't know how long you've been listening to Smith, but, you know, over the time, we, you, at Lave Radio, we do have a, a huge amount of care and, and love for the kind of expanded fiction of the game, going all the way back to kind of Elite and, and, and Frontier Elite 2 and Frontier First Encounters. Um, so it's kind of, in a funny sort of way, it's important to us that, that Lave is... Is, is the right sort of system. And I think it would be, oh, you've been listening since episode one. Well, that's fantastic. But I think, um, like, for me, it would be, it would be completely wrong if Lave was an imperial system. There's something, there's something about the idea of Lave being a system that belongs to either, I mean, the Alliance isn't too bad because the Alliance and the old worlds have this kind of old relationship. Um, but I do... Yeah, I do think I'd rather just see see Lave as independent, and it's something for all players to come to. And I want like power play, you know, pledged players or whatever Imperials faction to be able to come to Lave and kind of not be marked as wanted. That'd be really nice. Um, and I think as well that it's yeah, it's just one of those things. That I think if in game, like say for example, the Empire did take control of of Lave as a system in terms of the, the factions. Um, I feel like that would need to be represented in some kind of fairly major game plot. That that seems like a huge kind of just overhaul of, of the world that we understand it in, in Elite Dangerous. But maybe that's just my view on it. I have a very kind of old world's centric view of Elite Dangerous because that's where I spend most of my time. Um, so I probably obsess about it more than I than I necessarily need to. But as Gwaisi says, Lave will be Thargoid controlled soon, like everywhere else. So, yeah. <laughs> Let's not worry about that too much. <laughs> we don't know when that's going to happen. Uh, oh, oh, I've had a controller crash again. Um, yeah, I don't know. What we did? <laughs> I lost my thread. Well, I'm in trouble. <clears throat> Just don't scan me. Don't scan me. Don't scan me. Live station, don't scan me. Um <laughs> So yeah, I'm running some missions now. Uh, just picked up some data transports because there's nothing else. I've got a planetary scan. Whoever looks like he's in battle somewhere, having a bit of a arse kicking there. No, are you being? Uh, no, I'm just getting. I'm just avoiding an interdiction. I get bounty hunters all the time, so. So yes, so the background sim now. Once we um, obviously we've triggered this war because we hit twenty four percent and they were on twenty four percent and now it's kind of a case of we want to try and 
stretcher leads now, if we can get a good 5-6% lead and maintain that before the war kicks off, that's the ideal situation, isn't it? That's the ideal situation. I, I'm not convinced we're going to see that. Um, so I think we, it's going to ha- it's going to be a big effort over the weekend to try and close any lead that workers gain during the pending period. But we, we'll see what happens after after tonight and tomorrow's tick as to which way it's going. So is it a case of we now need a combination of not only working to increase our influence, but working to decrease theirs in conjunction in order to have a hope in hell? Um, yeah, that, well, that's what I've been doing. Murdering workers and running missions for, for life. Um, does it, for life, does for it make a difference, though? I mean, if we're talking about, um, like, so like if, for example, if we're talking about the amount of time that a player spends doing particular activities, is jumping between doing missions for Lave Radio and reducing influence by killing workers of Lave Liberals NPCs, is, is that is that not just two ways? Would you not achieve the same thing by just running missions or by just killing NPCs? Um, I don't know where the cap is. I don't know how much weighted it is as to if you kill one ship and and that's a, a reduction of workers' influence, how much would one triple influence plus mission be for workers? Do you know what I mean? I don't know... How many you have? How many missions you would have to do? How many ships you'd have to kill to get the same result? So, I, I just do both because I can. I can just kill. There's plenty of workers flying around and leave, and because I've got to go over to Castellan Outpost dock over there, um, I'll just kill whatever I can on the way over there when I'm going back to hand in my planetary scan missions. So it doesn't. Yeah, it's, it's not like I'm choosing one or the other. Kind of mm. doing both simultaneously. But if, but if you get killed having completed the mission, do you not lose your progress? Um, I don't. Or do you not with scans? I don't get killed. Okay, for those of us who get killed. You don't lose mission. No, you don't, I think if, it, if you've got passengers on board, then those missions will fail. Yeah. yeah it, mission-specific cargo ones, yeah. yeah. Um, but no, if it's planetary scans, you, they, they, they don't fail. You can complete them after you respawn it's bounties that are the problem if you're collecting bounties to cash them in frequently and not you know build up to 10 million bounties if you're doing bounty hunting Uh, you really want to make sure that you collect only Lave Radio Network bounties um, and cash them in at the station they're very few and far between there they are and they're difficult to so what you'd have then is have to have is a kill warrant scanner because we don't own a system if we owned a system it would be easy because we would just go there anybody wanted would be a viable target and you wouldn't need a kill warrant (laughs) scanner to filter them all out but then again I'm not even sure if whether you've got a kill warrant scanner does at the point of destroying the ship create the credit to that faction or is it the point of cashing in Um, See, that's the, that's it's, the, it's a because if destroying workers of lave liberal ships is beneficial, then bounty hunting and targeting different targets, and um, it's just that's that's where it's a little bit unclear for me. Um, I'm not 100% to be honest, I don't know. 
Um, so we've got some comments back on Twitch chat from Mindwipe. Mindwipe is chipping into the conversation about background simulation. Uh, Mindwipe says it's um, when you cash in is is the point where it, it uh, has influence. It's also saying that if you're killing NPCs, you can do it um, across other systems where that faction has influence. He says that influence is faction-wide. Is that right? So if I kill workers of laborables somewhere else, does it affect them in lave? No. No, it'll no. only affect no, it'll only affect them in the system that you're killing them in. But he's saying if if you see like, if a faction is in lockdown, it's across the board. Yeah, lockdown is a, a unique state and a real pain, oh, okay. a, a real pain in the arse. Uh, what you can do uh, again, it's difficult. Hutton truckers are lucky when you've got multiple systems because it gives you options. So when you've got uh, a station in a system where it requires bounties to get it out of trouble, you can go to another Hutton system and collect all those bounties and then fly them into your problem system, cash them in there, which helps you spread that influence boost and help out a system. But lockdown is one of those. Uh, oh crikey, it's a it's a horrible state. Um, <laughs> it's. I think it's. Is it? Is it possible? That, what, is, is lockdown capable of blocking a war? Um, I think. I know that a war can end lockdown. Um, a right. conflict. A conflict will override lockdown. I'm not. I don't think it'd go the other the other way around. No. I don't think so. I don't think you can end a war early by um, pushing a lockdown into place. Okay, yeah, I mean, because we've we've had systems in in lockdowns which are difficult, um, but when it comes to undermining a faction, you have to tackle the ships in that system so that the crimes are logged in that system. Mind wipe. Um, in this circumstance, because there's no benefit, we've not got a system that we control where we can, yeah, take advantage of it. And I know that all other techniques are to go to the systems that are factions in, especially when they have got a rare like they do in Lave. Go to another system where they're where they're present, and you can force them into different states by attacking them and doing actions there that can drag them into wars with other factions. And while they're in that war, it stops them from gaining influence in the system where you are, which is how we've managed to get into this wonderful position <laughs> in the first place. We were very fortunate that that workers are in two uh, two. Um, other low population system because it's been quite easy to push them into a war um, in those systems and then that's allowed us to close the gap because they don't get any of their um, influence from trade or exploration data or anything like that in lave while they're in a war in another system so that that was that was really quite lucky that that, that happened yeah, that, that made the, the changing point and in fact that's why we're here uh, which is yeah, amazing because yeah. it, obviously it's our first shot uh, of getting anywhere near an opportunity to take Lave Station and my goodness we're going to have to grab it with both hands and uh, yeah we need everyone's help because this system is not uh, an easy one for flipping at all in fact you know the controlling faction uh, if we get Lave Station we almost get the sort of benefit that they've had um, which actually could bring us a whole load of other problems um, it will make, I think it's going to make it harder if you want to take wariness after Lave Station, I think that make it might make it harder to do because like you said we, we're not in any other system, Lave Radio Network is only in Lave so we can't put a, put a war in another 
system to do the same thing as what we did to workers. Yeah, and and it becomes that whole um, nightmare. I know uh, Major General Nocte Vegas and the Hutton Truckers has the daily uh, nightmare, or, and a team of twenty um, uh, spy team now, I believe, working on all the different ways of attacking uh, an enemy faction. From where can we? have a negative impact on them do we want to put them into a war somewhere else to stop them going into war with us if we put them into a war somewhere else can we get their influence to trigger them in a war with somebody else in our system that's maybe <laughs> so for example because this workers of uh, lave liberals are in other systems triggering a war between them and the jet corporation could then mean that they'll get war on us, which then means that we can utilise the their position in other systems. And at this point, I think, whoever, <laughs> you are some man to take on this amount of, uh, I don't know, head-scratching. Um, do you sleep much? Well, I mean, we've, we've only got we've only got one one system to worry about with with the Hutton truckers they're all over the place so that's i wouldn't i wouldn't even know where to start with that it's an absolute nightmare because even if you can get your head around everything that is supposed to happen um come the bgs tick something else has happened and you gotta go right back to the drawing board and start again we are an endless endless back-to-back wars and no sooner have we finished one than the next one triggers and and what might happen obviously when we if when when we win this uh, system is quite clearly that we're, our influence in, in lave will continue to grow up to the magic 70 odd percent and then we'll start expanding into other systems that we're not really interested in going into um <laughs> so past yeah. that I mean obviously what would be nice would be for Lave Radio Network to control the Lave system as well without going into a war what's the trigger is there a way of doing it without taking all the assets um, well we'll get control of Lave with Lave Station because the workers are the um, controlling faction this conflict is for control of, of, the, of the system so we'll, if we win this conflict, we'll automatically then be the the highest influence faction in in the system, and we will be in control of it. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, that's what, what I was going to say is what I was going to say is, and uh, those of you who play the late radio drinking game, uh, prepare yourselves because uh, I'm going to mention board games. The thing I quite like though, about about this thing with the, with the background simulation and with the stuff that you're describing, where you have to kind of work out all the different interplay of you know factions where they're in different systems and try and manoeuvre pieces. I mean, it does effectively make the background simulation like a sort of giant Euro game that's being played, you know, on on top of Elite Dangerous as like a you know, like a like a sort of out of thing. Like you have to work out these moves, and then obviously you have to then go and do it. But then you've got this random element of the fact that sometimes something will come in from a direction that you weren't expecting, and it'll kind of throw off all your calculations. I like I quite like that as a piece of design. I think whether that's intentional or accidental, I think that's really interesting. Like when FDev threw a, C- a CG at LaveCon, threw a CG in Lave system when we were, we were just getting up to where we could get wariness. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and then and then they threw that CG in there, and then workers just went up about ten percent. Yeah, the things like yeah, that. We're I getting know. some bizarre uh, idea as well, which was. <laughs> <laughs> we had the night. We had the thought that it might be 
there was no way of swinging it to be helpful, unfortunately. Uh, we have no. a, a little bit of a disagreement because workers for Lave have two stations, so this may not be for control. Or we can start a conflict at 65% influence. I think that's... Uh, as, as far as I know, the, the, it's, it'll be for control. It's for the larger station, which is, which is low station. Well, it's, it's going to be difficult, and obviously that's the we'll thing. See. That is the problem, because you, for all the guys and the experience that is out there for the background sim, for all you amazing background sim experts who try and put these bits of Lego that don't fit together, um, <laughs> no sooner do you say this will happen than it doesn't. Uh, no sooner do you say that that could not happen than it does. It's one of the, and I reckon Mr. Dav is sitting there listening to every expert on background simulation ready with the opposite button, just waiting for you to say something. Like, no, 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 no. So we'll have to wait and see then, really. Um, I know that Mindwipe, who's currently heavily involved in the background sent out at Colonia uh, for Fort Mug, and um, they're constantly expanding. Uh, and with the lack of NPC factions out there, it's been uh, a constant source of uh, conflicts and issues. But they're doing, they're, you know, he's thoroughly enjoying it. Uh, I think he was a pirate for, I think, well, well. We'll get him to type in chat. What is your current bounty out there, Mindwipe? It must be massive. Um, I've made the, the absolute horrific mistake of becoming wanted in Lave Station as well uh, while running missions from there, so that was a bit short-sighted. Um, Welcome to the club. <laughs> 600,000 credits is his bounty, so if anyone fancies a quick bounty, you just have to get out to Colonia first. Um <laughs> <laughs> which is a, well, a week-long journey for me. Uh, so once we get the station and uh, we are in control, uh, not so, it doesn't really matter if we're in control of the system or not, it becomes a lot easier to manipulate out with conflict states uh, with exploration data. Um, I know that to, we tend to sort of like data drops in the, in the region of 10 million credits worth. Um, can have quite a, a, a really helpful influence boost for a system. But we can't do that at the moment because we don't have an asset that people can land on and cash it yeah. in where it will directly go to leave. So things like if you go into leave and you cash in your bounties for the controlling system, you're working for the wrong people. If you go there <laughs> and you sell all your exploration data, you're helping the wrong people. If you go in there and buy Lavian brandy, just hold off a minute. We'll do a discount when we get control of the system. <laughs> and we'll give you a nice discount yeah, we'll see on a right. big party. Um, yeah, yeah. One thing I'm... I think, thing, and actually, I think if we get an asset as well, that might be the thing that finally prompts me to go exploring for a bit because I've sort of... I've held off on... It's the, it's the one major thing in the game that I've never really done is gone on a big, like, exploration trek. And, you know, if I can benefit Live Radio Network by bringing back a ton of exploration data, I will. So I've been sort of... Yeah, I've been holding back on it. It's the, it's the one major thing in the game I've never, I've never tried. How how is your OCD? Are, are you, you know, particularly terrible? All right, okay. So <laughs> you are going to hate exploration, uh, or yeah. or love it at the same time and still hate it <laughs> because it does get to the point where you arrive in a system and you go, oh right, how, and you press your button and it goes, 
12 systems, uh, 12 uh, astrological bodies found, and you go, hey, I can do that. A couple of hundred thousand <laughs> light seconds between them, and you think, hey, and then after maybe 10 or 12 small systems, you're feeling quite good about yourself, yeah. and then you hit the 78 astral bodies, and you go... Yeah, I've got yeah, yeah. to complete this. I've got to. Uh, I must. The, there was a thing that inspired me, though. There was a thing that inspired me. Uh, there was, and an, an, it's really annoying because I'm going to mention this, and I'm afraid I can't remember where the link for it was. I think I did bookmark it somewhere. Um, but someone shared a link on one of the Elite Dangerous groups that was like a list of things for new players. And it was a series of GIFs on uh, image URL. And it was just instructions on how to play each of the different parts of the game. And some of it is all kind of stuff that you know. It's all stuff about docking and landing and targeting ships and you know all this sort of stuff. But there was one... Well, there was, there was a series that were all about exploration, and it talked about things like the Goldilocks zone, like where you're likely to find Earth likes. It talked about just the structure of all planets, and actually looking at these, the, the just reading these. I say reading these images because they are it's text basically in an image, kind of for for convenience, sort of. Um, which is really fascinating, just kind of reading about how the, the, the wider universe of the game is made up and how you can kind of speed things up for yourself if you're doing exploration to make money and you want to find the most valuable planets. And also differences between the value of the different kinds of gas giants and all that kind of thing. I just found it really fascinating. And, I, you know, I hope other people have seen, um, seen those guides because they are, they are really good. Or you could do the Neutron Highway and get yourself out to the, you know, centre of the... The, the big big one, the big hole, the big massive one, the massive thing. That and I've one. never been there, actually. I should do it one of these days. I've I've gone out there many times and never got there. Um, for, <laughs> for various reasons, something exciting happens back in the bubble and it's like, nope, let's go back. But um, yeah, I'd love to do it. And the Neutron Highway is, it sounds like a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> it does. And it's, again, there's tons of... Um, tourist routes as well that if you're doing exploration for the first time people have laid out nice ways to get out there and and been really nice and helpful with giving you your your sort of waypoints so that you can make the nicest trip uh, out there too so there's so many amazing things uh, out there and of course do get yourself the Elite Dangerous Market Connector too and hook it into your EDSM so that's your Elite Dangerous Star Map account and it will log where you've been and create a beautiful map as well so you can use these and you don't have to do anything just have it running while you're playing I've got it now um, and, and you can tell because if I press F2 I'm going to just turn sounds on for a second it should make a noise. <laughs> Crap, it's not running. I, I tend to use yep. ED board. Does that not do essentially the same thing? There we go, that was it. Um, <laughs> it, it well, the ED market connector, probably. It may well do. It may well be hooked into the same thing. I don't know for certain. Um, and, of course, we've got a wonderful Antares Fusion as created some a plug-in for it for the truckers that when you go through systems it grabs the information and creates a nice report for the spy team showing the influences pending states and things and making it a much easier job for them so cool that's uh unfortunately when you have a system when you have a, what 12 13 14 systems i don't know how many we've got now it's ridiculous it's stupid it's just unmanageable now <laughs> for us poor truckers <laughs> um, which is why it's nice with lave we really are only wanting to focus on the lave area system so if we can take the station and the system and control uh, in this war then 
that's that's our goals met. At that point, it only become it becomes relatively straightforward to defend one system, and again, not worrying about expansion too much because expansions when things get complicated. Yeah. So we can maybe do if we hit an expansion, we can maybe have whoever back on to go through what happens <laughs> with the expansion, how you trigger that, and, and yeah, because power corrupts. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Once we've got a system, that's it. It's you know we're going to be creating our own empire. My goal was just to help Lave Radio Network get a station. That's all I wanted to do. But because <laughs> because of FDev dropping that CG in, it means that the first chance to get a station is also a chance to get control of the system and get Lave Station. So yeah. that's just the way it's worked. I know, I kind of wanted to do it in like a slightly more guerrilla kind of grassroots way. I sort of felt like we'd, you know, like we'd take Castellan, then we'd take Warrenus, then we'd take Lave Station. It's, it seems to be strange yeah. to be just going straight for that's the way That's what should have it. happened. Yeah, that's what should have happened. Which right. is, yeah, it's one of those spurious little things that can happen uh, is to spark that wonderful moment where you are in a war with another faction and the main faction hits a problem somewhere else in the galaxy and it drags their influence down to the point where you're knocking on the door and then boom, opportunity happens. Um, I mean, it's still, we're talking as if it's going to be a simple thing. It's, it's, it is not going to be easy. I, th- I think we did have an election with, um, is it Le- Leivink that owned Castellan? Um, yeah. So we had an election with them, which we came out ahead of them, but it wasn't enough to take the asset off them. Um, but I think that happened at about the time when the Thargoid bases sort of appeared in the galaxy. So yeah, it, it was a bit. It was busy. yeah, a bit distracted doing other things. Yeah, because that would have been again. It's it, this is a big ask without having any other station where we can take advantage of the other options and ways to boost yeah. influence. It does kind of mean you've got to go direct and do the hard slog. It'll be a, a wonderful victory, though. How are you planning on celebrating? Um, you're going to be down there taking advantage of uh, <laughs> Commander Thane's. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to be drinking all the Lavian brandy that I've not been <laughs> buying because it helps workers of Lave Liberals. <laughs> yeah, be, there'll be a sale on all the out-of-date stuff because no one's bought it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually, although speaking of Commander Thane, I've actually, uh, in in recognition of the uh, EDRPG that we did, the, those episodes, if you haven't heard those episodes of us playing the EDRPG, do go to lavevideo.com and listen to them. Um, yeah, I've updated my hollow me now, so um, Commander Thane now has a damaged eye and a scar based on the things that happened to him in the RPG. So. <laughs> I, now, what, what I'm interested <laughs> in is, do you think that Frontier will adjust their suite to allow more kind of uh, edits to your character in hollow me to match what happens in... Uh, in escape velocity or are you going to start writing things like Thane grew a very interesting grey beard because it's the only thing you can add (laughs) yes Um, my wife's just asking, where's my EDRPG? I won that at LaveCon, no message about it. Um, It's still, the EDRPG still isn't finished and in a published state so um, uh, yes, your your prize still hasn't finished being made 
as I, I understand it. As far as I know, I think they were hoping for a release of some kind. I think is it is it, is it the PDF? No, I can't remember. The, this month, uh, I believe, was their target, or into next month, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I know there was there was talk of August at one point, but I don't know. I, think I know they might had, have been knocked back due to the issues at the beginning of the Kickstarter as well. So yes, mid September, Windy Palm confirms for us. So. Um, <laughs> it's exciting, isn't it? I mean, we're really looking forward to EDRPG, and we're looking forward to, in fact, you know what? It might well be Escape uh, Elite Encounters that is uh, currently due for release imminently as well. So. Tons of RPGs. Oh yeah, because the feedback from yeah the feedback from Frontier was good, wasn't it? It was, so it's almost ready to go. So um, I don't know uh, what you guys out there think about you know because we've done the RPGs over Skype and it's actually been quite enjoyable. Whether or not we should have some kind of way of queuing up games or something for people that are interested. If you're a GM out there and, and you want players, uh, which I think is probably the Rarity is a GM that's looking for players. Probably most of them have got a huge pile of people that want to play with them. But from from a personal experience, for me, I would like to be able to go to somewhere and say, oh, I'd like to sign up for a series of RPG games. I'm not very good at GMing, so I'd, I'd rather be taking part in other person's games. So um, it's just, I don't think we've got anywhere ready like Roll20 or a community where we could set that kind of thing up with, because I think that would be hugely we popular. that. Yeah. yeah, we should look into that. If we can create some sort of hub for uh, elite uh, RPG games, whether, whether it's the EDRPG or whether it's Elite Encounters, um, I think that would be, I think that'd be really good. And I think that it's... Um, I think that doing it over Skype or Roll20 actually does work quite well because one, I, I was initially put off Roll20 um, because I came to it from playing D&D 4th Edition and I played it with somebody that very much, you know, we had miniatures and we played it on a grid and we moved it around very much like a kind of turn-based strategy thing. Um, and I found that Roll20 actually took away from that immediacy of kind of playing the game around a table. But actually, one of the things I've enjoyed about playing it over Skype is that it discourages that kind of micromanagement of the game. And it means you end up doing combat in a much more kind of described you know, in a much more kind of described way. And actually, this weekend, I know we didn't do the kind of catching up thing at the beginning, this weekend I finally played D&D 5th Edition. <laughs> finally, it's been out like three years, I finally got around to playing it. Um, and I played it with a GM who basically just didn't use any miniatures, didn't use any maps, just story told it, and story told all of the kind of combat encounters, and it worked really well. Um, and, I, and I really enjoyed it. So I think actually... Yeah, I, I can kind of totally see how Roll20 and, and Skype would be good. That said, it, I still think it's more fun actually sitting around a table with people if you can, because it's nice to actually get together with people and play games. Yeah, um, I, think, I think you're right. I mean, it's, if you look at the uh, TeamSpeak server in here where people come in when there's a, an event or there's a lot of gameplay um, coming on, with the, whether it be faction missions like tonight as well or truckers having a convoy... Um, it's just it's nice to be able to play with people and then you make your friends and it becomes great but there's that first part if you are um a, you know like well for for Simon and myself there's not many other people up in in Glasgow that we know from the elite community that would be willing to come along and meet up and go and have an EDRPG session and with my 
being a carer for my wife as well, there's not that ability to, to go out for a, oh, yeah. no, a session. So being able to do something on Skype where you can go, I'm just going to nip off to the loo or wherever, it gives it gives yeah. you a wonderful way of playing with people that you couldn't otherwise. And also, the biggest benefit of it is finding players that like a particular niche game is going to be a lot easier using the internet. And... Um, not having to try and meet up for people from Australia. So it's a wonderful way of doing that. Yeah. Yeah, there's that. But I think, but, but also, I mean, there is the element of, um, as well, playing the game with people who aren't necessarily elite players. Um, so I went to, when I say I played fifth edition on Saturday, it's because I went to the all day um, role playing day that a board game shop I go to up near Nottingham has. Um, so one of the things I'm planning on doing with with the the various elite RPGs is I'm going to take them to that board game shop for those role playing days and just offer sign up slots for anyone who wants to come and play the RPG. Now that may be elite dangerous players, and if you're listening to the podcast and you are in the kind of Nottingham area, do look up um, Chimera, the board game shop on Facebook because they do monthly role playing games, and you know I'll, I'll be there running those sessions. And um, I think I think that's the thing that's great about the RPGs is there's so many different ways we can use them and kind of expand the way we play Elite and expand the way that we interact with with other Elite fans and other RPG fans. Um, I'm I'm really looking forward to both those games uh, coming out. There was another um, recent Kickstarter just kicked off as well. For uh, an RPG, and um, I've got, I've got a, well, Paranoia, for example, the re-release of that, which is a, a game I love. Now, the the old Paranoia had some kind of uh, website where you could register and GM games and things as well, which is quite interesting. But that's cool. At that point, it was it was a dead community. There was just nothing mm. ever there. So it'd be lovely to be able to spark that off because I know quite a few people that are you know, like yourself um, love to mm. GM. And it could be great fun to to do that, and and of course, if they wanted to record them uh, their sessions, as long as they weren't like listening to paint dry, because it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I will I will warn people if you want to do the whole sound effects and music thing like I did with those episodes, that is a lot of work. Uh, <laughs> it's it is it is almost as much work as creating an escape velocity episode. So do bear that in mind. <laughs> but amazing in the end result. I mean, it was even I was like excited to hear what was happening, and I was in it. So I knew what happened, but it just you know it got your excitement levels up, which is great. Uh, yeah. What about yourself? Whoever you into role play games? Have you had a chance to do any of the elite ones? Um, no, I've still not listened to the um, the episodes that you did uh, on that. Yeah, I've not listened to that yet. It's, well, you I, know just what? I just want to say to Mindwipe because Mindwipe is saying it should be DM rather than GM uh, I prefer GM because obviously DM is Dungeon Master and, and unless you're going to play one of my <laughs> Ultra King sessions which I will almost certainly be running at some point there aren't many dungeons in Elite Dangerous except in Lave except on the entertainment deck in Lave Station there's loads of dungeons there <laughs> <laughs> well do not call um, them escape rooms <laughs> That's that's a, that's a different thing. That's gonna, yeah, that's going to put the fear of God into people that come to the next LaveCon if we ever do do uh, escape rooms. Um, oh, that'd be so good. So yeah, I mean, it's just loads of excitement coming up, and of course, you know, the, the Frontier um, meetup, and well, see, it's the Frontier meetup. It's not as their expo <laughs> in October is an ideal opportunity at the end of the evening to meet up with commanders in the bars, of the hotels for some role play sessions as well. So. 
Yeah. I think I think that's quite optimistic. <laughs> you do need two to three hours for a role playing game. I'm not sure. And a soberish. I'm not sure there's going to be a spare two to three hours at the uh, Frontier Expo. I don't know. Well, you know, there's there's always time. You just you know, you just go round the clock. <laughs> that's what I mean. The, the, have you been to? Well, I'm not even sure if you've managed to been down to uh, one of the conventions yet. Uh, whoever. Uh, I haven't. No, I haven't. That from the Frontier Expo looks interesting, but I'm not sure I can get down there easily. So. No, don't scan me. Don't scan me. <laughs> it's it's one of those. They, they are they're amazing. Elite meet again. Where well, we should be hopefully uh, tying up venues for that uh, in the near future for next year. And um, it's a nice, nice, relaxed one. Obviously, we've got. What? <laughs> Nearly. Phew. <laughs> The expo is obviously the, the big one that's coming up that everyone's really excited about because it's going to be not just Elite Dangerous, but we're going to have the uh, the intellectual property announcement, which we're all just chomping at the bit to find out what the heck it is. <laughs> hey, maybe it's about this new Blood Drive series. That could be an interesting game. <laughs> have you seen any of it, say, Chris? No. Oh, my God. <laughs> what is it? Blood drive. It's all from. It's a kind of Mad Max where cars run in human blood, and they just chuck them into these. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite gory. It's uh, what are they called? The guys they do all these kind of um, overly gory uh, pop video style movies, um, and they're quite. It's quite interesting. Anyway, it's a new series on. Well, like the Robert Rodriguez, the, the Rodriguez thing, like. Um planet whatever it was grindhouse it that's who it is thank you Zesty. grindhouse that's yeah 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 Yeah. so it's a grindhouse series and it's you know proper disturbing anyway it's irrelevant <laughs> irrelevant to what we're doing now um but yeah it would be an interest i don't think frontier would have a grind that would make for a fantastic expo i tell you what you'd know the minute you arrived if it was going to be that um <laughs> there is also just point out while, while it's still in the twitch in the chat i can see it taron4295 says there is also the frontier meet coming up in seattle in a couple of weeks just before PAX West. So if you're in the Seattle area, do look up that Frontier the, Meet uh, these, over there. Because yeah, people in the States are always saying, yeah, why no, can't we have some stuff in the States? We just had a Texan uh, or a Dallas pizza meet uh, just last week. Mm. So that went really well. And these are opportunities where you just meet people in your local area and then you have the possibility of being able to do the likes of having a an evening or a small meet where you meet up and have a couple of drinks and do an RPG session if you're not particularly, you know, able to do it on your own with your own friends, um, then that, those are ideal for that kind of thing. Or, or equally, to try them in a group where you will not be made to feel like a, an absolute plonker. Um, because that's always a worry, isn't it? When you go and try and do these things, you don't know how to play them. It's nice to be able to do it in a safe atmosphere with people that are actually going to encourage you. Yeah, no, totally. Which is what's brilliant about LaveCon. Um, so, and yeah, you've got to, you've got to, if you've not been, come along. Um, it, it's not as tricky as the background sim, but there's certainly <laughs> it can be, depending on who's, who's, who's written your adventure. <laughs> See, the problem with the background simulation, just going back to that, is that there's so there's so much information, it is just too overwhelming to start taking any of it in. The, it, if you want to get involved in it, 
the easiest way to do it is just to start doing it and just see what happens when you look at the faction summary and you see the states are and you just look up right what does that state mean what what's the you know the things with that and you just start learning it bit by bit and it it kind of makes sense if you, if you if you're doing it as you go along trying to take it all in at once it's just it's too much it's yeah it's it's pick pick yourself a little uh, faction and then just kind of watch how it goes is really yeah. you know and, and try things and and take notes um but start on a very low pro- population that's possibly the only good advice we can give you because yeah, you'll see definitely. you'll see the changes much quicker low low traffic or no traffic system low population and you you can make quite a big impact in a short amount of time it's picking up some viagra i'll go take it back to leave <laughs> I'm actually doing. I'm, I'm. I'm just searching EDDB just for the same thing. Where Where are you picking up your Viagra? Oh, George Lucas has got progenitor cells here too. So George it's, Lucas, it's quite handy. Yeah, for that. yeah, yeah. That's a good one. I might do that on the way back. <laughs> so I just went out, did my <laughs> did my uh, data missions, dropped them off. Didn't get any planetary scans. Well, I did get a planetary scan mission, but it was for the workers of Leave Liberal. So stuff that. Um, <laughs> I'm making my way back to Leave. For you, if you want to get my bounty, you're more than welcome to. You buggers. <laughs> so we don't have any shout outs yet from the Twitch chat as to who's doing what who's running missions, who's doing what in the game, let us know so we can give you a shout out even if you want to message me in game Commander Psychocow, I can give you a shout out on air and we'll give you some props for whatever it is that you are doing I'm currently trying to get out of the slot at George Luke ah, well according to EDDB Colmogorov Hub is actually slightly cheaper than George Lucas well, if you're going to do this for the profits... <laughs> I'm just trying to multitask. I'm still poor. I keep saying I'm still poor. I actually, I mean, some people will laugh at my, um, some people would laugh at my balance. My balance is now 40 million, which is a lot for me. If for people who've seen my previous balances in this game, <laughs> that was like when I had like three or four. <laughs> it is. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting, getting there. I've got a decent. I've not made a lot of money since I did all my trading. Uh, Commander Witherspoon is doing planetary scan missions and getting cracked industrial firmware as a reward. Not quite sure what he's going to do with all of that. We saw Antares Fusion. He's running missions for passengers as well. Um, I'm not quite sure what Mindweep's up to. Um, <laughs> he, he seems to be just moaning and getting upset about the fact I made fun of him on the fun bus on the way down to, to Lavecon this year <laughs> so we'll keep looking oh, Flossie has done 14 missions for Lave Radio Network which is great and it's got more stuck, stacked ready to go um, oh, G, GMP808 is doing trucking missions because obviously we've got a war on so they're going to come and join us depending on how the tick treats Hutton tonight um, whether or not they're free or whether or not we're back into flipping crisis. Uh, it was being crisis all last week. Uh, I was running, uh, oh, crikey, I was doing bounty caching in um, frequently and often, and it's great. Um, it's good fun, but I think we'd like a quiet week at Hutton. I think we would like a week where our influence is not constantly being undermined by wars and other systems, especially wars and other <laughs> systems where there's not something to win. This, so this is quite nice. This gives us a, a wonderful return. And of course, whoever will be forever hailed uh, a, a hero if he can manage to 
source this uh, and get us into a point where we not only control Lave, but that we take that station. And of I course, I think it's in it's in the bag. It's in the bag for us. There's uh, there's too much support for work for um for Lave Radio Network. I don't see that there's anyone that's going to be supporting the workers. Is there is there any particular way that you would like uh, Alan Stroud to to kill you off in his next book called Lave the Dumping Ground? Um, <laughs> <laughs> leaves gone to the dogs. Uh, <laughs> no, no particular favorite favorite method of death. In that's fine. We'll just leave it open to him. Yeah, leave it open. Let him let him figure out what's best. All true champions of leave have to dive. Unfortunately, it's just it's just the way. <laughs> true. Yes, he was commenting. He's at a he's at a um, conference at the moment, isn't he? And he was conf- he was commenting that George R R Martin was at the thing he's at. That's so, right. Uh, yeah, he was getting. He doesn't. He doesn't need any tips about killing off characters. He was. He, he won. A, he won an award, didn't he, for one of his short stories? He did an Arthur C Clarke award. Yeah, it's amazing. It's a huge quite con- prestigious. A huge congratulations to him. He's out there enjoying it, whining and dining and hanging around with the likes of them. <laughs> your yeah, death, your death will be glorious, writers. whoever. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, and yeah, we've got uh, talking about conventions. We've got um, the 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 other convention that Alan and Karen are kind of running and organising uh, is Fantasy Con. Um, not to be confused with Fantastic Con, but Fantasy Con, which is a convention for British science fiction and fantasy writers. And it's very much about, it's not a gaming one, it's very much about writers and uh, and that sort of sort of thing. And I'm going on and helping you with that. Um, I think I'm going to be doing, I think I'm going to be on a panel about audio drama at some point. Um, and Alan worried me slightly. Apparently I'm going to be on a panel with a couple of guys who uh, write for big, some Doctor Who stuff for Big Finish. Uh, so that'd be cool to chat to them and uh, yeah so that's if you're I mean as I say it's not (laughs) it's it's not a gaming convention it is very much about just fiction and writing and that sort of thing but if you are interested in science fiction uh, and fantasy then then you know that's a really good um, convention to check out Uh, I can't remember when it is which is bad because I am going to it um, but it is in my calendar uh, and I think off the top of my head, it's over Peterborough Way. Um, again, completely off the top of my head. So, oh, we've got some more uh, more shout outs for people yeah. that are up to things. We've got, uh, um. Um, <laughs> oh dear, Winge and Pom is currently out looking for a cow to shoot. That's that's not good for me. Um, <laughs> so we'll see. Oh, we've just goes. been joined by Don Antonacci. Hello, Zach. Oh. How are you doing? Pay no attention to us discussing our plans for the background simulation. <laughs> or, or, or our pretense that we understand it, even one jot. Yeah, it's it's yeah, going yeah, to change it. tonight. Um, no, we've got people. Uh, JMP was uh, shipping meds. Uh, we have Paul BM is doing data missions, trading by Badridge 1224 and more trading. Uh, I'm not quite sure he's involved in our war then, if he's trading. I'm not sure trading's going to have any effect whatsoever. But thanks for letting us know what you're up to. What are you trading for? Are you just trading for personal profit? Because, you know, that's just despicable. <laughs> if you, But if you buy stuff in another system and then sell it to workers of Lave Liberal Station, do they lose influence for that because you're that- taking money out of the market? No, it's whatever, if whatever profit you make when you sell it, 
that will um, give workers this is, if if you sell at late stage, then uh, it will give workers influence. If you, so it's if a double whammy. Lot, so they if you they get lot, they get influence for you buying stuff, and you they get influence. I think for you it's making just a profit for, in the it's station. just for profit. It's just for profit. I yeah. think if you buy, then nothing happens. It's only when you sell, oh, right. and if you sell for a loss, then they will lose influence. But I think oh, they okay. nerfed they nerfed that effect quite a lot. Uh, Cal, okay. if you put your beacon on, I can drop in and help you if you want. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's, two, it's two, two pythons. It's okay, I'm out. Okay. <laughs> two pythons. I didn't notice the second one. Oh, no, it's a clipper and a python. Um, <laughs> my shields are fine. I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm almost at leave. Then I'm going to get shot down by the security forces. Uh, who else did I miss? <laughs> uh, Winjin Bomb. Uh, he's not calling... He's calling me a Thargoid experiment. <laughs> Well, yeah, if you see my flying, it's probably quite easy to believe that. Uh, oh, can I apologise profoundly to the two commanders at Shinrata earlier on this afternoon uh, when I decided to try and lodge my python between the two of you in the docking slot? <laughs> I apologise for that. <laughs> I'm not quite sure what the etiquette is for it. Oh, God, that was horrific. Uh, will they forgive me? I don't want to look behind me in case I see debris. <laughs> Is, is there any etiquette for, for when you have terrible... Yeah, go on. Anyone out there, is there any etiquette for when you accidentally, pathetically um, ram people by mistake and during your horrific drocking process? I mean, how do you say... How do you say sorry to someone that you've just dented their nice new ship? <laughs> just have a look to see... Nope. No, we'll have to wait and see. Um, where the heck's that entrance? Oh God, don't let them scan me! I'm too close to the <laughs> station. If they get me, I'm going to be in trouble. I just want to dock and give them all the stuff that you asked for. It's I've got I've got prezies. <laughs> so um, yes, I'm just about to go and pick up some more missions and then get back out and do some running. So it's um exciting times. Tomorrow we'll have a better idea. We should have what another two days of running as many missions as people can uh, that's what yeah this is this has been the first day of the of the pending phase it's three days so we've got two full days left um to try and to try and uh, run as many missions as we can fantastic and then you'll be screaming from the rafters on friday is it going to be friday morning so it'll be is it the sort of one o'clock friday it's, morning the, the last yeah, day for work yeah it should be that. as soon as we click on to Friday. I'll, I'll be waiting for the uh, for the tick to see um, see it go active, and then I don't know how it, how long it'll take for the combat zones um, to spawn. Sometimes they they take a while, um, but we'll have to see. So in that small, um, you know, I can't even see it. I, I know I can't focus. I'm doing tons of things, too many things at once. Mind wipe. That's what I do. Uh, say sorry in local chat. Yeah, I do that, and it is. It's usually, you know, it's one of those things. Oh dear! Most of the times when people see Psycho Cow's ship coming towards the dish, the station slot, they uh, move right out of the way. Um, some leaving to other systems, and that's not often safe either. <laughs> um, so yeah, Friday between the war zones, because I know there's an issue, and, and people should be wary that of taking massacre missions before the war zones have appeared because sometimes if they don't then you're going to end up with heavy fines um, anything people can do between that period 
Between, um, what, bef- between when the war, war goes yeah. active and before we see any conflict zones? Yeah. Um, you could always murder workers. That's always an option. <laughs> um, but apart and particularly, from- yeah, particularly if you see workers who are wanted, do definitely do those. Yeah, but just don't hand the bounties in. If you no. if you have any bounties for workers, you can hop over to Riort um, and claim your bounties there. That won't affect workers' influence in Lave, only in Riort. Um, so that's an option. That's what I will be doing to get myself able to dock at Lave Station again um, after being kill on, kill on site for them. Um, <laughs> all you got to do is kill a few wanted ships in Lave, hop over to Riort, and cash them in, and then you'll be... Um, is it disliked? I think it's disliked is the one up from Hostile, but... <laughs> that will, they will let you dock then. They just tell you to hurry up and, and go away, basically. <laughs> I've just got some nice cool. planetary scan jobs, but I can't take them. Right, um, Chris, I'm going to have to hand over to you for just a couple of minutes, if that's all right. No worries at all. Uh, so I've got... I actually got quite an exciting thing coming out this week, because I um, have been chatting on Twitter to Neil from Tin Man Games. Um, so I know some of you listen to uh, the Remote Outpost Games show uh, that I do job with John Stabler, where this is where... <laughs> this is the show that bears a striking resemblance to another sort of... Um, desert island based selection show uh, we basically interview people and we get them to pick five games that they couldn't live without if they were stranded on a uh, sort of remote outpost uh, in the elite dangerous universe um, and yeah and hopefully i'm getting neil from tin man games on and neil is uh from uh, well the tin man games are the people who produce the warlock of firetop mountain and produce a whole range of fighting fantasy sort of game book conversions for PC and mobile phones. Uh, so that's hopefully going to be recorded late tomorrow night because Tin Man Games are based in Australia, which has given us some challenges with our... <laughs> given us some challenges with time zones. Um, but I know I know lots of you like remote outpost games like listening to it. What I will say is, if you've listened to the last episode with Ivan Maltini from Daybreak Studios, um, if you haven't entered the competition that we talk about in that that episode, um, do enter because you'll have really good odds. Uh, Despite the fact that we have pretty good listener numbers for that show, we actually haven't had a single person enter the competition, uh, as far as I'm aware. Uh, So do enter the competition. You have, yes, extremely good odds at this point. Um, And we have have codes for their various games to give away, including Holy Potatoes We're in Space, which is really good fun. Uh, So, yeah. And I don't know. I don't know yet whether we get any codes from Tin Man Games for their stuff. Hopefully we will, uh, but we don't. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know until we have them on the show and I ask the question. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's going on this week. Um, yeah, um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that would be instructive about the um, background simulation at this point. Um, do all uh, during war this is this is the thing during war do all kinds of activities that normally boost influence do they all still count because i know that the, during certain types of conflicts 
whether that conflict is like an election or, or yeah, if it's, else. there are certain things that don't contribute. But during a war, does everything contribute, or do missions no, stop so, contributing? It, uh, it's only it depends who you ask that question. You know, you mess you mess the commissions. Um, yeah. Handing the bonds in will count for influence, uh, but handing the mission in, um, I believe it won't. But some people will say that it will. I've, I've talked to two different groups of people that both say that they've tested it and both say the opposite things. Um, okay. As as far as as far as I I think. Um, the missions don't count. It's, so it's only yeah. handing in bounties, bonds, or physically killing the one of the faction ships. Right. And do you still get missions for things like planetary scans and mining during a war, or do they dry yeah, up? Yeah, the, um, I think they actually offer more money for its wartime uh, surface scan or something like that. Um, cool. I mean, you can do them, but it won't help whatsoever other than helping your bank balance which is oh really thing. oh okay yeah. so it's just war profiteering then essentially yeah basically <laughs> i'm hoping to see lots of lots of um mass commissions and if there's if there's lots of us around we can all wing up and you can you can clear out quite a lot of mass commissions in a very short short time it's, it's possibly one of the lovely ways to make a lot of money how does that yeah. work i mean and it's just obviously with your combat rank does that really significantly help because it's quite a lot of cash or is it um i i don't i don't know what what combat rank you have to be to, to be able to start seeing like the high levels or whatever but I th i've seen like 20 odd million for the 108 ship kill missions um but yeah, if you can get a, get a couple of those and uh, get in a nice big wing of four, um, you can you can clear them out in an hour, hour and a half, no problem. And then just go back and, and do it all again. You can make a lot of money. I think we've... Uh, did, did you catch uh, Cletus's question? I did. Okay. I did. Uh, I can cover that now if you want to. Um, so basically, for those of you who don't know, we now have pre-orders up on um, radiotheaterworkshop.com for the Lave Revolution audio drama. This has been a long time coming. Uh, this is the full cast audio adaptation of Alan's official Elite Dangerous novel, Lave Revolution. Uh, so if you go to radiotheaterworkshop.com and click on the store, you can you can see it there for pre-order. Now, um, the question Clyde has had is, have I fixed the prices yet? I have not fixed the prices. I've run into um, something of a... Uh, just a slight confusion with around VAT. Um, because we have this new ruling within the European Union that digital sales... Uh, within the European Union are eligible for VAT at the point of purchase. What's then happened is the company that I sell my audio stuff through have said, right, I now need to, I now need to add VAT to all your sales from within the European Union. And sadly, what that includes is purchases from within the UK. So even though you're in the UK, well, I say you're in the UK, a lot of you aren't in the UK, of course, but uh, uh, probably a good... 60-70% of the people who buy stuff from me are in the UK. Um, they're not eligible to pay VAT to me if they buy stuff from me. But because you're buying stuff through a company that is based in the United States, 
they're seeing you as an EU purchase, so they, they have to add VAT onto it. So there's this slightly bizarre thing where I set a price for Lave Revolution as the digital download, and I set a price for Lave Revolution as the USB stick edition. And what then ends up happening is that um, the, US, the download version actually ends up more than the USB version. Because <laughs> yeah. the USB version isn't eligible for VAT. So, um, yeah, it's really complicated. But basically, I'm going to get it fixed. Don't, I, I think don't put off pre-ordering on the basis that I haven't fixed it. Because when I've fixed all the prices, what should happen is your pre-order should automatically go down to match whatever new new price I change it to. So do go ahead. It's really good. If you like listening to Escape Velocity, it's basically the same thing. It's me applying my Escape Velocity production technique to a full cast adaptation of Lave Revolution, with the difference being that because of the way Lave Revolution is written, there are literally dozens and dozens of characters in it um, rather than it being kind of you know rather than it being a sort of series in the way Escape Velocity is it's more like a kind of mini series I'm expecting it to be sort of between four to five hours I'm expecting it to be sort of like five episodes each one being sort of an hour each that's not totally set yet because there's a certain amount of work still to do on it um Mind wipe, just play a trailer. I don't have a trailer. It is still it is still in it is still in production. And because of the production problems that Lave Revolution ran into, um, there is a certain amount of it that I'm gonna be re-recording at the same time as I'm recording Escape Velocity series four. Um, so at the moment, if you go and pre-order it, at, at the moment what I'm trying to do is make sure that it gets done for December, because it's something that I'd really like everybody to have in time for Christmas, but I should say up front that um, that that delivery date is not absolutely set in stone. There is still an awful lot of work that needs to be done to get Lave Revolution finished, um, but that is that is my kind of working that is my working date. <laughs> Someone said, "How long is it?" Mindwipe says, "Probably not as long as this explanation." Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be, a, hopefully it's going to be really good. Um, and hopefully it will be like having a whole new four or five hours of Escape Velocity style audio drama, but obviously with the Lave Revolution story. Um, and uh, so a lot of the cast, but a lot of the cast will be familiar because it's a lot of the same cast members as Escape Velocity. Um, and, and yeah, and obviously Alan's music and yeah, I don't know what else to say. I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to kind of getting it done. I can't um, wait. Actually, yes. I mean, given the production value of all the escape velocity projects and such, it, it really is quite exciting. Because the other audio books that you've done uh, have been spectacular. Uh, Tales of the Frontier is by far one of my favourite listens ever. <laughs> I just, I, just I, mean, I think it's the shortness of being able to listen to a story in a couple of you know half an hour or forty five minutes, yeah. and it be completely compelling. Um, so I love I love that's one of my favourites. Yeah, I think it was it was probably it was probably my favourite in the end as well. I mean, the, obviously the the one I get the most feedback about is um, Drew's uh, Elite Reclamation because that's obviously such a you know such a big book uh, and people really kind of connect with it. But I think yeah, I think in terms of the audio versions, I my, my favourite one is still the, the the Tales from the Frontier. I don't know, I'm slightly biased because I've got a story in it. <laughs> oh, what, um, what was your story? Did you have one in it? Really? What was it called? Yeah, yeah I, I don't, I don't, I don't mention it very often. Um, no, it's um, Children of Zeus was mine, um, 
So, which I, I was about to say what it's about, but that's massive spoilers. So I won't say what it's about. Um, but I will say, if you've if you've read or listened to Children of Zeus, you can track down the system and the planet that is in that story. Uh, Mecha God, no, not Mecha Godzilla, Mecha Dogzilla. Any chance of Escape Velocity becoming an audible audiobook? I would say almost none. Um, <laughs> I could <laughs> no. That's not that's not me being cynical. There there are two reasons for it. One is that even though I do have um, I do have an official license with um, Frontier Developments for for Escape Velocity. What I don't have is a commercial license. Um, so if you want to support Escape Velocity, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash radio theatre workshop. That is where wonderful listeners provide the budget to produce Escape Velocity. That's where the show gets made. Um, Audible are only really very slowly making moves towards actually publishing full cast audio drama. They are making really good steps towards publishing full cast audio drama. I know that Dirk Maggs uh, has just done uh, a series of X-Files cold cases with Gillian Anderson and David Duchovny, which I'm really looking forward to hearing. And of course, he did a full cast alien audio drama for Audible. So Audible are, are moving towards full cast audio drama, but the majority of their business is still just narrated audio books without much sound effects and music. Um, I'm hoping that's going to change. I'm hoping that Audible are going to invest more and more in full cast audio. And I'm hoping that one day they're going to be somebody that I can <laughs> do some work for because that'd be absolutely brilliant. Um, but yeah, no, I don't think you you will never see Escape Velocity on on Audible. I don't I don't think unless yeah unless something really out of the blue comes along. Um, I, I maybe, don't imagine that would ever happen. Maybe have this conversation after you've done the uh, the re release of the original ones and you've actually got a kind of top notch yeah. collection. Maybe it's worth doing a. Yeah, that's the thing. I think because that's the thing I say to people. I mean, people say to me not to do it down, but I am. For those of you who don't know, one of the things I am also working on this year, once Escape Lossy Series Four, once the scripts are finally finished, um, is I'm going to be doing a complete re-edit of Series One and Two of Escape Velocity to incorporate all the sound effects from the game that we now have, which we didn't have at the time, and hopefully to include Verity as the ship computer, which again, obviously, we didn't have at the time. Um, that's obviously pending her availability and, and frankly, wanting to do it. Um, but, yeah, I kind of sometimes feel a bit like like I want to present Escape Velocity to people as an example of the work that I can do. But at the same time, that first series, that was four years ago. And I've, you know, my, my skills and my abilities have improved so much since then. There's a part of me that holds back a little bit. And I say to people, like, listen to Escape Velocity to hear what I can do but maybe start with series three because that's my best work. So what I want to do is just is go back and make series one and two also my best work. And then the whole series will hopefully be of a standard quality. Um, yeah. Excellent. Yeah, I can't wait actually. Um, just the opening of the first episodes, what, what got me hooked was the whole, you know, smacking his console of the ship flying uncontrollably yeah. towards the station. Just that kind of, HMS and that, warship and a lighthouse moments. Um. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And I think as well. I mean, the I mean, we haven't talked about it for a long time, but the soundscape of the game and the sound effects that Frontier have produced for Elite Dangerous are so good and so immersive in terms of space. I mean, if you were producing, you know, if I was producing a sci-fi audio series set in space that wasn't Elite Dangerous. I would be hard pressed to find spacecraft sound effects as good as the ones in in Elite Dangerous. I mean, they 
all the engines and the, the space effects just sound so brilliant. And I'm really looking forward to kind of getting under the hood and, and putting all those in. Just were you um, seeing that? It's it's just sparked. Um, no, are you a fan of Starship Troopers? I am. Right. Well, I can't remember what's the name of the the main actor, and if you can recall. Um, oh, I can. It's something like. You know, mind wipe. Dieter, tell us. Mind wipe always uh, knows these things. Oh, well, the main character, Rico. Yeah, Rico. Rico. I'm trying to think. Casper Van Dien. That's the Casper Van Dien. Well done. So he has, uh, and this, this, this bear, with, bear with me, it's a small detour, but it's not too bad. He has a relatively new movie that um, we have had, uh, <laughs> I, I say, Saimuf has uh, stumbled across, uh, and I'm doing my best here to try and bring up the information. Um, it should be there, let's have a look and see. Oh no, I've got an exclamation mark. And it was something like Space Commander, it's called. Um, Star Citizen, what no. The- it's not called Star Citizen. Sp- <laughs> Space Commander or something it is called is relatively new. Um, and they would have been better off using captured footage from Elite Dangerous for their special effects. It's horrific. You know there's B-movie bad, and then there's just not trying. <laughs> you know? This 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 kind of falls into that. Is it so bad it's B movie bad, or is it just bad enough to be cringeworthy? Is this the new one, which is all it's all CG, isn't it? Yeah, and and you know that way you can tell it's a low budget if your spacecraft scenes and they're doing the shots of the pilots, if they're in a room with a picture drawn in the back, you know it's low budget. They don't even have any glass areas where they're going to merge the CG with the actual actors. It's just a case of them sitting in a a room on a plastic chair with some kind of horrific concept for a control stick. Not even, you know, uh, one of the decent uh, hot-ass controls. No, no, no. No, we'll just go for an Xbox controller. That'll be cool. That's what people will be using to control their ships (laughs) in the future. They'll be sitting in a dark room with a picture of some kind of scanner in the back wall which lights up and no windows at all behind them. So they're never going to look behind them. Yeah, although actually, the um, I know that the because I've seen I've seen footage of it, but I know that some of the U.S. Air Force drones are controlled using Xbox controllers because they're USB programmable. So it's just a standard controller. And I've seen I've seen footage of uh, Air Force personnel controlling drones using 360 controllers. I mean, it makes sense for a generic controller like that, but you know, you know that kind of way. You know, if you're going to step out of a spaceship and the door opens and smoke doesn't come out before your feet are seen, it's kind of just ruining that potential <laughs> initial impact. If you, you know, if you're going, you know, Craig, come on, you know, picture, okay, Han Solo in the bar. I'll take you in the Millennium Falcon. Look. And Obi, follow him onto the ship, and he sits down there and picks up an Xbox controller. Not quite the same, <laughs> is it? It's not quite the same. As are, you, are, you saying, are you saying it's as bad as a Jedi getting out a uh, um, a what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? A walkie-talkie, and it basically being a lady shaver with a couple of chips glued onto it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I think you'll find if you watch Star Wars Episode One, that is a lady razor. <laughs> that Qui-Gon Jinn talks into very, very clearly. Okay, 
Right. I, <laughs> it, no, no, it actually is. It actually is because I went to an exhibition of the props from Star Wars, and they had it there. And it's like, yeah, that, and it said underneath, you may not have realised, but this is a razor that has been adapted to look like a walkie-talkie. And it's like, no, it's not. It's a lady's razor that looks like a lady's razor. It never, it never looked like a walkie-talkie ever, even on first viewing. <laughs> I think the orbital cruise maximum speed just saved me. Um, uh, I was just heading there to my doom, pointing at a planet there. Um, so yeah, it's it's just. I think you know they've got to have that kind of look. And yeah, the Elite Dangerous graphics now are stunning. I did uh, last week reinstall the Star Citizen Alpha to have a look at the graphics and that again, and I did the. Uh, the first person point and on pressing the forward key instantly my heart sank as it felt just yeah. as spongy as the flat I really I mean it's gonna take I think the game is stunning it looks beautiful but I just find there's a disconnect between me the keyboard and the game and I don't know how to overcome overcome that so um, I'll have to try and maybe give it another shot. I am a rear admiral, and I did back it, and I'm, I, it does have gameplay that I'm excited to witness. But unfortunately, yeah, I'm, tr- I'm trying to decide about No Man's Sky because it's currently on Steam for about fifteen ninety nine, and I know they've had just another they've had another big content update uh, with a new mission structure and a whole bunch of extra stuff in it. And I'm trying to decide if fifteen ninety nine is the point I'm prepared to jump into No Man's Sky. I think it's actually got multiplayer in it now. Oh, I'm not interested in that. No, there's, 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 <laughs> yeah, there's no point in having multiplayer if there's not a multiple players playing it. <laughs> I quite enjoyed. I have to. I have to admit. I quite enjoyed. Oh God damn you, Glide! Um, I'm having problems getting down to this planet's surface. You'd think it'd be easy to crash, wouldn't you? No. Um, I'm gonna to have to go back up again. Uh, it was. It, it's one of those games. It's actually got a nice kind of gameplay to it. Uh, the ships are ridiculously cartoon. The I know pitch up dumbass is mind whip. I know I messed it up. Um, it's got such a nice aesthetic to it. It's a shame the game just feels so empty. You know, and I know that that's kind of very similar in criticism to <laughs> the very game we're playing just now is the fact it's a, a game that's very narrow with its uh, depth but I don't think so I think in Elite you've got tons of things you can do in different ways to play that just totally can take your mind up like the background sim for a start mm. um, oh god this, how did that suddenly go to the other side of the planet now? <clears throat> <laughs> but um, I enjoyed the gameplay that I did in No Man's Sky um, so far uh, but I have never gone back to it and that's probably a, as damning a, a statement as there is to television series that you watch the pilot and think that's quite good but never actually go back to watch any episodes so it's, it's that kind of um, it's good but it's it doesn't have it's kind of like bird watching simulator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then there is that, there is that, and there is a there is an element of well, this is a bit like when I was doing the live radio stream for um Everspace the other week. And Everspace is a really nice game. 
And I kind of, you know, gave it a bit of a review and I gave it a bit of a review, like in comparison to Elite Dangerous. And there's that question of it, you know, with any other space game, when you've got something as kind of comprehensive as Elite Dangerous, there's an element of, you know, why do I need this other game in my life? What does this game bring that Elite Dangerous doesn't always do? Because it's not like something like, like XCOM 2, which I've played loads of but I can see me playing the new XCOM 2 thing that's coming out because it's kind of more stuff. And I've kind of done a lot of what's in XCOM 2 and that sort of thing. Whereas with Elite Dangerous, it's not like... Yeah, it's not like I'm going to play something else which gives me... I don't know. I don't know what point I'm making. I'm getting tired. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're rapidly approaching our usual attempt. I'm going to keep the Twitch stream going for a wee while while I finish off these missions. Um, whoever. Well, I will say, just, just as a point of interest, because we're talking about other games being updated, um, Halcyon 6, which was a game which I backed on Kickstarter and is a kind of FTL-like pixel game where you build, you know, you build like little fleets of ships and have turn-based battles, and it's quite a nice little space game, and they've just released a whole new version of that. So if you had the old version of uh, Halcyon 6, you now have a new thing in your Steam library called Lightspeed Edition, and if you don't have it at all, then Lightspeed Edition is just the new version of the game and has apparently been completely redesigned and loads of new graphics and stuff. I, uh, I am yeah, a, go check it out. I am a huge, huge fan of XCOM and the new games, and I cannot wait to get my grubby mitts on Phoenix Point because it looks like it's just going to yes. have that same um, fun aspect you know, that you got from the original XCOMs. And, oh, okay, yeah, something's wrong here. <laughs> this is this is getting on my <laughs> nerves. Um, <laughs> I'm turning a planetary scan mission into a flippin' epic, bloody episode of Game of Thrones, season three. Nothing's happening. I can't get down to the planet's surface. I keep bouncing out of. God damn it! <laughs> right. Uh, Paul Biemer said, "Have you guys played Long War Two? I actually haven't. I kept meaning to uh, install it." Um, but didn't it came Long War 2 came out just after I'd sort of come to the end of my patience with XCOM 2 um, yeah that's what we're looking forward to from Phoenix Point is less less RNG less um, no I don't normally but when you're when you're for like super hot uh, high skill high rank soldiers are all killed in four shots by four critical hits that is the sort of thing that makes you rage quit. I I I love the yeah, the rage the rage the rage that comes. I think the best thing <laughs> the about the XCOM games is is best is basically naming them after people you care about and then getting the yeah. hump when they get blasted by those critical hits. Or you know, when the chrysalids come in and you take shots and everyone in your team shoots at that first chrysalid and it's still alive. And at that point, you go, you know what, guys, you're on your own. I tried to help you. You couldn't shoot it for shit. Now you can <laughs> die in your own cord. Um, the, one, the one that re- the one that really made me angry was I got all my team in position, and then because you know how like units are hidden in shadows of line of sight, um, I'd, 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 I had someone up on the roof. They were checking in all directions for aliens. They, there were no aliens anywhere. I walked a person into cover. They walked past a stationary car, crouching behind a wheel of the car in a shadow was a civilian who made a noise when my soldier walked past and suddenly all the aliens looked around and was like what's that 
and suddenly my team's cover was just blown and I wasn't in the right position yet. So everybody died. I was so cross. Yeah. Oh, actually, should we do a new, a new feature tonight called Name Drop of the Week? And uh, yeah, do it. This, this, this is to go out to, you know, well, actually, I'll ask you, who's the most kind of famous celebrity kind of person that you've played in a game in multiplayer mode? Um, sorry, you've played a multiplayer game with? Yes. Uh, well, probably Julian. Uh, Julian Gollum, I guess, because we've done that stuff with him. But um... <laughs> mind wipe knows where I'm going. He was he was playing okay. Star, he was playing Star Trek Bridge uh, Simulation this week, um, and 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 um, pointed out that one of the members of his current crew sounded an off like awful lot like um, Geordie from the Next Generation. <laughs> Is this, is this a wind-up or is this an actual thing? No, no, it's actually it's actually true. It's actually true. Turns out he likes and enjoys playing Starship Bridge Commander and Mind White found himself playing alongside him. That's really cool. LeVar Burton, yep. I'm so, actually slightly amazed that someone who... I mean... It's like so, so any actor who's been in anything like Star Wars or Star Trek or Doctor Who or Stargate or any of those kind of shows... You know, I think a lot of the a lot of actors don't appreciate that when you take on even quite a minor role in those shows, then actually suddenly your life does become a bit of a whirl of getting invites to like conventions and stuff. And so much of Lavar Burton's life must be Star Trek related, going to conventions and stuff. The fact that he can still, after all this time, bring himself to spend time in something like Star Trek Bridge Commander is <laughs> is is incredible, really. I think you know the I mean, game I can't itself. Imagine it's brilliant. Have you, you have you had a chance to have a go at it at all? It's a VR thing, isn't it? I don't have VR. Uh, what about yourself, whoever? Have you had an opportunity to have a look at it? What's that, sorry? The Star Trek Bridge Commander? I, I haven't, no. No, I have not. Okay, I, I have had a couple of goes on it. Um, and it is very much... I wouldn't... I mean, it, it would be spectacular... If they in the future bring out the bring it out in a sandbox type universe um, like Elite, because it is just stunning. Or if they can scale up the level of battles in it a bit more as well, um, I think it is possibly it's just a stunning game. It is so much fun, but it's very much a simulation. If you know what I mean, it's very much a load the game into the simulator. But the interaction with the other VR players is is just captivating. It's genius. If you get a chance to do it, get a go at it. Uh, if you're at any conventions where they've got it set up, have a shot. You will find yourself getting giddy over being on the deck on the bridge of a starship. <laughs> it's just brilliant. Uh, and if if Elite can do that for you know for getting out of the cockpit and create that degree of of wonder then it's it's good but they've definitely got it right that is the best Star Trek game I've ever played and I've tried them all and always been just a little bit disappointed each time sometimes just never gone back you know what I mean that's cool now I just cannot remember what key did I bind to get into the turret view so the the critical question is: Are we are we making this a podcast, uh, and are we wrapping up? We should uh, wrap up. We should wrap up the, the the radio broadcast absolutely, and we'll put it into. I think there's enough in it to make it a show. I think so. 
People will enjoy some of it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and thank you so much. A uh, huge thank you to whoever coming in and helping us out for this particular endeavour. And uh, you're, I suppose you're looking forward to what possibly on Monday afternoon uh, resting up and never having to worry about the Lave Radio Network for the rest of your existence in game. I'm actually looking forward to the war going active and um, making a lot of money with a lot of people in the uh, in the conflict zones, hopefully. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely going to chill out after um, after we take Lave Station. Or possibly try and get Warriness. I haven't decided yet, we'll see. <laughs> it's addictive and that's the thing. So we encourage everybody to get involved in the background sim. Uh, come along and join us and get involved in the Lave Radio battle. Uh, get their running missions for the next couple of days. Then on Friday, missions will do Jack. Once the war triggers, missions count for nothing and we need you to get involved in the war zones or continuing to destroy those nasty, nasty workers of lave liberals. Just destroy them with extreme <laughs> prejudice. Do not drop data drops in the lave system. Do not do bounty hunting. It's just not going to help. Combat bonds is where we need you. So if we see you online in the game over the weekends, then do say hello. We're hoping to get the likes of the Imperial Inquisition, the Hutton Truckers. Uh, we'll talk to some of their close friends and see who'd be quite interested in coming along. I think you've got a couple of groups uh, that have agreed to come and help out as well, haven't you, whoever? Um, possibly, yeah, possibly. So it's, it's a nice way of making some cash for your, your commanders. Wing up so you can stay safe. Um, and try and get it's easier if you've got you know the likes of Antares Fusion's got a beautiful gigantic corvette and uh, if you wing up with him it's a nice easy way of having that cover that takes the fire away from you and stops you blowing up so quickly and uh, gives you a chance to really make a, a significant collective difference so do wing up with your Especially friends my vulture you <laughs> oh dear it's called a fire blanket, apparently, says Mindwipe. Okay, fair enough. Um, well, we should be back with a normal crew next week. I do say that under the fact I don't actually know when they're coming back. Um, <laughs> yeah, quite. Are they coming back? <laughs> <laughs> well, if we get Lave Station, they'll need to come back for the opening ceremony. So we'll maybe do an opening ceremony. Uh, let us know what you get up to in Lave as well. If you have any interesting stories or amazing uh, experiences, then let us know for next week so we can give you a shout out on air and a thank you as well. And we'll see how well we get on with this battle. It's going to be fun. It's, it's it. This is it, guys. This is it. This is our opportunity to take Lave Station as our own. And we've got to do it. We've just got to. There's no excuses. Well, there's loads of excuses as why, as why we could fail. Um, the SDC could come <laughs> in and try and uh, usurp us. But yeah, there is also, yeah, good point. A live radio private group in the PC version it should be open. I'm not sure if I have to okay your entry. I uh, will try and keep an eye on that as well. So that if you want to play in a live radio network group, then you can apply to that in the private groups. Um, is there anything else we should be shouting out for? Uh, just that we have we have Discord, we have Twitter, we have Facebook. Oh, you mean that that last bit of the the script? I've got that out, so that's not a problem. Just checking to make. Have you got that? Okay, that's good. There was no other uh, things we have to um, give a shout out for coming up soon. Harry Potter's my pal. 
He's, he's on my friends list. I just saw that. I know where he is. Um, okay, well, we shall call it there. Apologies if there was anything we were meant to give a big shout out for. We had James Vigor's uh, charity run, uh, charity run, 24 hour charity stream went well. He raised close to £600. Oh, and had to call it a little bit short um, due to his own health, which is a very mature response, James, I have to say. Um, well done listening to your body because it does tell you things that you should listen to and uh, we look forward to he's now working on other ways to raise funds in charities that don't put as much of a strain on him so that's great great news and good luck with it as well um i can't think of anything else that's desperate i'm going to kick myself because i know i'm going to come off air and it's going to be something um Crestone is just asking how do you how do you get into the leave radio private group again right well if you're on the pc version when you go to your start menu um you'll have private groups and friends and then you can search for a private group search for lave space radio that should be one and then click on apply or join and then when you want to use that group you go to start private groups and then select which private group you want to play in no, no, there's no, there's no entry fee. You ha- if you want to leave the Lave Radio private group, then <laughs> I think there's a fee. <laughs> but uh, no, we'd be. It's more welcome to go in there uh, if you want a safe space. Obviously, a lot of us use the Hunting Truckers or the Mobius groups if we're running private, because you know you're kind of with the, the people that don't want to get engaged in PvP. PvP shouldn't be an issue. It's a lot of PVE, but it's quite nice to group up with your group and it can help with instancing issues if you go into a private group together or even into a, your own small private group but um, we'll let you decide what you fancy doing uh, oh we had uh, also um, some chats with some people who are interested in getting involved in the Lave Radio 24 hour stream obviously the Lave Radio station runs 24 hours a day we've got scheduled content and we are now working with members of the community um, to bring even more content and new things and new music and all kinds of stuff if you're interested in getting involved in the Lave Radio station then please give us an email to info at laveradio.com or if you search on Facebook for the Lave Radio Broadcasters group uh, we can get you in there and that's kind of where we're hopefully going to organise and get ready for it um, I'm now just currently looking to load up for your enjoyment the next episode of Galnet News from Commander Witherspoon. He has one ready for us for tonight. Uh, so don't disappear after the end credits <laughs> because we're going to have that playing. And then I think I'm going to finish off these planetary scans if I can work out what key I bound to come to the turret view. I can't remember what it was. It was something simple. I'm sure it was... Um, no, I'll figure it out in a second. Anyway, that is it for our special episode of Live Radio. It won't have a number, so it'll just appear in the, the, the feeds. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, then you can email us at info, info at laveradio.com. You can get us on Facebook forward slash Live Radio or at Live Radio on Twitter. You can join the Discord chat channel by going to tinyurl.com forward slash lave chat. Or you can join our TeamSpeak server where we're broadcasting from tonight. And other commanders come here to hang out, chat, play together. You can get to that by going to teamspeak.laveradio.com. Lave Radio is recorded live on a Tuesday evening at half past eight. 
well, summertime now, and streamed out on laveradio.com forward slash live and often on twitch.tv forward slash laveradio. Thanks to whoever, because whoever was actually with us tonight. So that's the first time that bit of script's actually been accurate. So thank you so much for joining us and giving us the rundown. And thanks to all those commanders that have joined us in various places throughout the Lave system running missions tonight. And keep going. We can do this. It's going to be ours. And of course, Chris Jarvis, thanks for joining me tonight. Thank you. And until next time, fly safe. And if you can't do that, make sure it is a lave, workers of lave liberals that you're crashing into um, and fly (laughs) as dangerous as possible. We'll catch you next week. Digest 15th of August 3303. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news, Commander Karash denies unsightly growth. Sirius Corporation gets all intimate with Maroop. The rarest rare good of all. Thargoids sabotage ancient technology. Quiet times ahead in the galaxy. Commander Karash denies unsightly growth. Star of televisors and data slates throughout the galaxy, Commander Karash has come down firmly against the theory that the Thargoid sites are getting bigger. Many commanders are convinced that the sites, which are tended by robots called scavengers, get a little bigger each time you look. Although they never grow when you're looking at them, Having studied the photographic evidence carefully, Commander Karash believes that the apparent changes in appearance are the result of different lighting at different times of the planet's day-night cycle. This explanation will be unlikely to appease the hordes of true believers who also believe you can sharpen your razor blades if you leave them at the base of a barnacle. 
In related news, the Alliance is encouraging pilots to attack the Thargoid scavenger bots to collect Thargoid components and circuitry for scientific analysis. The Alliance intends to use these materials to develop scientific equipment to study Thargoid technology in more detail. They'll no doubt discover that attacking the scavengers makes the Thargoids very angry indeed. Sirius Corporation gets intimate with Marope. The Sirius Corporation has announced two new outposts in the Marope system. In mythology, Marope is the daughter of Atlas and Pleione, one of the Pleiades or Seven Sisters. In their press release, racially entitled Sirius Enters Marope, the corporation states that it intends to provide mining facilities to allow the rich harvest of metals in the system to be systematically exploited. However, commentators believe that the corporation is preparing to take over the system should the Federation ever be forced to withdraw to take charge of the numerous barnacle sites. For now, the two new outposts provide a range of useful services to independent pilots and miners. The rarest rare good of all. Siegfried's synth silk is the rarest rare good in the galaxy. In fact, it's so rare that it doesn't exist. None of the stations in the Tigfree system sell it, and no other sources have yet been found. Synth silk is believed to be spun from individual atoms fired by interconnected particle colliders. Its existence came to light during the recent community goal for the Ambassador's reception in Lave Station, where it was in demand, a demand that sadly remained unsatisfied. Limoncello Lizard, the commander who identified the mystery, has surmised that perhaps this rarest of rare goods is for sale in a station that has no commodity market. Thargoid Sabotage Ancient Technology In a week when the results of a Megapole were announced, it's become clear that the number of commanders using 32-bit technology will soon be zero. Thargoids are believed to have deployed disruptor beams that mean that only technology using 8 squared bits will be effective against them. 32-bit commanders will be unable to undock. The Pilots' Federation will be contacting affected pilots directly to provide advice on moving their ship control technology into the 34th century. The Megapole introduced interesting and sometimes surprising results. The number of commanders using the Pilot Station 4 control system appears to outnumber those using the Xbox One system, although both are vastly outnumbered by commanders using traditional control systems. 98% of commanders are male, the other 2% are female, and the other 1% class themselves as other. There are more explorers than bounty hunters, with traders coming third and miners only making up a minor percentage. Only 15% of commanders ever play CQC, and the most desired improvement to the galaxy is more atmospheric planets. It can get quite stuffy in your bedroom. Quiet times ahead in the galaxy.
With the imminent start of the next great galaxy simulator, the coming weekend is likely to be unusually quiet in the galaxy. Many commanders are away on their holidays, or in the case of the Lave radio crew, are spying covertly on the Federation while pretending to be on holiday on Earth. Of those who remain, a large number are expected to take part in the galaxy simulation, tapping away on data slates in their bedrooms. And with the Pilots' Federation asserting that no further Thargoid activity will be seen until the galaxy simulation completes, the galaxy could become very quiet indeed. And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News. We read the news so you don't have to.